As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Greetings from Arizona. Max and Sam coming to you from the Fiesta Bowl for our latest episode on the Andy Staple Show and Friends podcast feed, the flagship college football podcast at The Athletic. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I'm Sam Kahn, senior college football writer, also known as the Techspert, joined by our transfer portal guru, national college football writer, Max Olson. And we have a special guest today, Austin Meek, Michigan beat writer for The Athletic, who is here in Arizona as well, along with the rest of our staff to cover the Fiesta Bowl. We're a little bit more than 24 hours away from TCU and Michigan kicking off as we record this, sitting here in Max's palatial two-story suite at the Camelback. So, Max, first I'm going to start by asking, how the heck did you get a hotel room so much better than mine? You get another right people, Sam. You know, it's a pretty, pretty big deal. It's, uh, as the Marriott folks know, sometimes you got to use those uh, sweet night rewards. Uh, years, years coming to an end here, and why not use them at the Camelback? So, yeah, it's been... Uh, it's been a solid setup here. Uh, no complaints. Austin, how's your room? Is it as big as mine? Uh, I do not have the balcony in my room. I'm a little bit jealous of that. Although I really, uh, I cannot complain. This is my first time at the Camelback. It's legendary uh, among sports writers. So I'm glad to scratch this one off the this list. This is also my first time at, at the Camelback. This place is sweet. Yeah, I, I got here in 2016 for the title game, Alabama Clemson Part 2. And after being here that time, I swore to myself if I ever had a chance, I was coming back. So as soon as I saw TCU was in the Fiesta Bowl, Max, I think you and I were, were together right after they uh, lost the Big 12 championship game and we found out they were coming here. I was like, buddy, I want to come. I, I'm coming. I'm coming to Scottsdale, Arizona. So uh, glad we could all be here. You know, glad we could fly here, too. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I think we all – I don't know. Austin, you didn't have any travel. Some issues. of us uh, just flew here. I, I believe you guys had a little driving in there uh, yes. between airports. I fortunately avoided that, so I feel for you guys. We, I think Max, you and I drive, I think, six, maybe six and a half hours combined. Yeah. Yeah, I had to, I had to drive uh, to Des Moines to fly to Phoenix. A fun fact for the listener, there is a direct flight from Des Moines to Phoenix. <laughs> I learned that this week. Yeah, I had to leave Houston. My Houston flight got canceled. I had to drive all the way to Dallas Love Field and then – wait around all day and switch flights and endure multiple delays, get on the plane, get off the plane and beg bar on steel to get my butt here to Scottsdale, Arizona and Phoenix. But, uh, Th- this podcast is not sponsored by Southwest airlines or, Mar- or Marriott. <laughs> uh, but, but Laz, let's talk about this game coming up. Uh, we're, 
uh, a day away from the Fiesta Bowl and from, and from the playoff, of course, we've got Georgia and Ohio State playing in the Peach Bowl as well. And the other semifinal, Austin, I'll, I'll start with you. We look at Michigan. For those who are going to tune in tomorrow to watch Michigan for maybe the first time, we've only watched them a little bit this year because this is going to be a playoff game that gets massive ratings. You're going to have a lot of casual fans tune in uh, on Saturday for this game. For those who haven't watched Michigan as much, let's talk about the Wolverines. You and Bruce Feldman did a terrific story on The Athletic this year uh, detailing how Michigan went from rock bottom in 2020 to back-to-back college football playoff appearances. Check out that story on TheAthletic.com if you haven't already. But, Austin, how would you sum up how Michigan has found themselves back here again? Yeah, we just got done at the coaches press conference this morning here in Jim Harbaugh. Talk about this is just the ultimate ball team, which is like in his world, like that's the greatest compliment he could give a team. It's just you know like an old fashioned football team. Uh, this this team, I think, and last year's team as well. Really, if you look through Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan, this is the first time it's really felt like Jim Harbaugh ha- had a Michigan football team that was completely in sync with him. He's he's a little bit of a different guy, like. You know, he's not for everybody. Every player doesn't doesn't fit with Jim Harbaugh and with Michigan. Um, and I really think what's happened the last two years is he's had a team that really gets him, you know, understands him and what he's looking for, uh, and he understands his players. Uh, I think the the bond between Jim Harbaugh and his team right now is tighter than it's been at any point in his time at Michigan, and and that's really you know, what has allowed him to, to get this program where it is. It's, it's a team that, you know, is built on toughness, uh, winning in the trenches, which, which is totally a Jim Harbaugh thing. The offensive line, winning the Joe Moore Award the last two years. Really, that's the foundation of everything Michigan wants to do on offense is its offensive line. The defense is, is really tough. They've got a scheme now on defense with Jesse Mentor uh, that has really allowed them to take this program to the next level. So, you know, Jim Harbaugh, is, uh, he's as happy as, as I've seen him in my time on the beat, you know, I was around in 2020 and that was a bad scene. Like it, it was not a, a pleasant place to be in 2020, but it's just been a total 180 since then. And, and it, it feels like right now this Michigan program is really where Jim Harbaugh always thought it could be. Awesome. When you look at the, the, the journey for this Michigan team, um, I, and I don't mean any like disrespect to Purdue um, for, you know, obviously winning the big 10 West or anything, but like you really look at the schedule and it's like, you, you saw what they did against Ohio State. You saw what they did against Penn State. And that's that's kind of about it in terms of like top 10 competition, like big challenges. Like, do you feel like you have a good sense of how this team shows up for this game? Obviously, having the experience from last year being on this stage, um, when, when certainly now the mission shifts to not only can you beat TCU, but can you go beat you know, go beat a Georgia potentially. Yeah, like you said, there's really been two games this year when Michigan really had to bring it. And to their credit, in those two games, they did. You know, Penn State, Michigan dominated that game. It was close at halftime because of a couple fluky things. But then in the second half, Michigan just ran all over Penn State. And then the Ohio State game, kind of a similar deal. In the second half, Michigan just put the hammer down and ran all over Ohio State. So if you look at those two games, I think you would say that that Michigan has the potential to, to play with anybody. But you're definitely right in terms of the whole schedule. TCU was tested a lot more week to week than Michigan was. Michigan had a lot of games this year where, you know, they basically just had to show up and they were going to win. And that wasn't the case for TCU. I mean, TCU had to fight and claw every single week of the season. 
So I do think that's you know a valid thing to ask about Michigan in terms of just how tested were they by their schedule this year because the Big Ten wasn't great. I, I think I think there's a lot of carryover for Michigan from last year's Michigan team. So I think the experience of being in the playoff last year facing Georgia, I think there will be some some carryover from that for this team. Uh, but just in terms of Michigan's schedule, uh, it, it wasn't a real demanding schedule for sure from start to finish. Sam, we've talked a, a bit about this, about the challenge that TCU had of not uh, not getting any weeks off after you know mid-September basically and, and finally getting this month off to uh, rest up and get guys like Quentin Johnston and Johnny Hodges healthy and stuff. Where, where do you see Michigan and Austin coming into this one? Obviously, um, you know, don't have Blake Corum. Do you feel like this is a team that – kind of needed that break and it is going to come into this thing pretty pretty healthy and like kind of at their best yeah there were a couple guys that they definitely needed to get back at full strength mike morris leads the team in sacks was really limited down the stretch he's going to be back and healthy donovan edwards was dealing with the hand issue had the cast on against ohio state it looks like he'll be closer to full strength in this game so the break was good for them in that respect obviously not having blake quorum it's a huge loss. He, he was really the guy who, who made this offense go for most of the season. Uh, but it wasn't just the Blake Corum show. A lot of it was the offensive line. J.J. McCarthy showed in the Ohio State game that he can hit some throws down the field. It's not just a one-dimensional Michigan team. And Donovan Edwards, I mean, he hasn't had to play a huge role for this team in the two years that he's been here. And now suddenly he does. But he was a top 50 recruit, one of the most talented players on Michigan's roster. So I don't think they feel like there's going to be a huge drop-off with Donovan Edwards stepping in for Corum. Austin, I've heard this. Uh, talked about how they approached the playoff last year, uh, kind of enjoying the scene because of the historic achievement that it was uh, and the focus that this year was going to be a more business-like trip. Since we've been here in, in Scottsdale and in Phoenix, how have you seen that manifest itself with this Michigan team as it approaches Saturday? Yeah, it's, you know, this Michigan team feels really loose to me just being around them in the, in the media session at practice yesterday. You know, they, they were having fun. They were loose, but also focused, locked in. I think that there is something to the idea that last year's team, you know, they were coming off a, a two and four season. The, the thought going into last year was like, hey, if this team makes a bowl game, <laughs> that'll be a good season, right? And now they're in the playoff that, you know, they beat Ohio State, they win the Big Ten. I think it, it was hard psychologically for last year's team not to f just feel kind of satisfied to be in the playoff. Um, and this team definitely is not satisfied just to be in the playoff. I think if this, if this year's team doesn't definitely go on to play for the national championship, if not win the national championship, there will be a sense that this season was not satisfying for Michigan in the way that last season was. Um, and I, I think that, that that's the mindset Michigan's taken into it. I don't know how much that'll matter on, on Saturday, but I do think that's how they're looking at it. Max, I think if someone would have told us uh, back in August that we'd be sitting here in the desert covering TCU in the Fiesta Bowl, uh, I think you and I probably would have laughed at that notion uh, because I thought we thought they'd be a better team, but I don't know that anybody even thought they would maybe win the Big 12 championship. I mean, they were 5-7 and seven last year. Uh, four seasons of just seven or fewer wins uh, at the end of the Gary Patterson era. And given how their season has unfolded, you know, under Sonny Dykes and the new staff and, and their brand or lack thereof, they feel to me like the upstart going against this big, bad Michigan team, which is the winningest program in college football history. Are you getting that vibe as well this week? Yeah, it's interesting. And you're, and you're right. Like if we, 
I, I remember going to visit, I think we've talked about this on the podcast. I, I remember going to visit TCU, I think at the end of May, start of June and sitting down with Sonny Dykes and, and kind of, you know, doing the state of the program piece on them and, and, and trying to kind of understand what is his expectations for this, this first year. And he said like, I think we'll have a bowl team. Like, I mean, he was very realistic of like, I think we've, we're, we're talented enough to win to win six games. And, and maybe if we get the quarterback position right and, and we get a couple good breaks, could be bit better than a bowl team. And uh, also could be worse than a bowl team too. Like if just if a couple injuries, a couple things don't go right. And so um, for this team, just like week by week to just stack um, good enough performances and, and sometimes great performances to get to this um, – has been pretty remarkable, and I know Sam. We've talked to a few different people this week who have who have talked a lot about um, the way that that team responded after losing to Kansas State in the Big Twelve title game, and just the way that locker room was. Obviously, it was their first loss together all year, and it seems like a group that's I don't know. I think they're going to respond the right way. Like I think they were very hurt and pissed and stuff like that, and I think having that month off was huge. And I don't know. Like you, you saw it last year, Austin. Like. I'm not. I'm not sure. Like, it does. Does TCU get a little, you know, starry-eyed about being on a stage like this? I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe for Michigan, it's like just lining up against Georgia, and that's that is more of like the intimidating thing than actually being in a playoff game in some ways. But like, I don't know that TCU is going to be necessarily like shaking in their boots this week. And and to be honest with you guys, like, the vibe I've gotten this week is like, I'm not sure. And you can speak to this, Austin. Like, I'm not. I, I can't tell if Michigan's like taking TCU very seriously. Like, I think there's there's one player this week who was like, they're in the Big Twelve, right? Like, I don't think there was. Like, I, I think there's like a healthy understanding of like what they got to do to beat TCU. But I don't think that like, and maybe this is just a brand thing. But you know, do you feel like this team is looking at TCU and is like really all that worried about Max Duggan or Quentin Johnson or Kendry Miller? I do think it's true that that Michigan has really focused on that Georgia game from last year and everything lining up to have another shot at Georgia. And I think they look at TCU as the team standing between them and potentially another shot at Georgia. Or Ohio State. Or, yeah. or Ohio State, yeah. Uh, so I, Those I, other two opponents mean a lot. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. It, whoever Michigan would play in that game is going to have way more – you know, baggage associated with it than, than TCU. I think that there is a confidence with this Michigan team that may border at times on on being overconfident or almost like a sense of destiny. Like this was meant to be for this team to get back to this stage and to have another shot at, at whoever they would play in the championship game. I think the confidence can be a good thing, but they do have to remember like it's not preordained that they're going to play in this game they have to go out and earn it uh and if they if they do take tcu lightly at all i think there's a very good chance that they could lose this game because you know tcu is is aside from those two teams we talked about earlier better than any team michigan has played this season and i think they have to approach it that way looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... 
real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. I'm curious, we talked about, and I've, I've heard players talk, get asked about it this week, TCU players in particular, about are you ready for Michigan's physicality? In some ways, I think it's it's legitimate to ask because I do think Michigan's advantage in this game is in the trenches, but at the same time, to me, it also does feel like almost like a pejorative, like are you ready for this you know, big, bad, physical Big Ten team? How do you see that manifesting itself on Saturday? And, and do you think Michigan has a significant edge in that regard? Yeah, I do think that maybe, maybe among the casual Michigan fan base, maybe there is a little bit of a misconception about TCU and especially TCU's defense, that maybe the style of defense that TCU plays is not as physical. Like they're going to drop a bunch of guys back in coverage. They're not going to be super aggressive. Uh, but definitely talking to TCU people this week, um, the, the sense I get is like this TCU defense, and you guys can speak to this, is, is physical. Like this, this is a physical team. It's not, this is not the Big 12 when I covered the Big 12 a decade ago where everybody just wanted to throw the ball. Like, you know, you have to be able to stop the run in the Big 12 too. You know, TCU's run defense is, is good, okay, middle of the pack, like not, maybe not a dominant run defense. And I think just looking at the numbers, people might say Michigan has an advantage with its running game. And definitely Michigan is a very physical team up front. This has been a dominant offensive line all season. So I do think Michigan has some advantages there, but maybe not as big an advantage as some people think. Yes, yeah, and that's the, that's the thing that I, like last night when we were trying to make a pick on the game, um, that was the thing that I was like pretty torn about is just the, I think that 
Michigan's offensive line um, probably probably has like a really good chance to be the tone setters of the game and kind of go down on that opening drive and just kind of cover up TCU and, and let Donovan Edwards run wild. And I think that that's, that's just been the challenge from, from day one for this staff is, is trying to build up that D line to transition to what they want to do on defense and to have enough bodies. I mean, you've got some talented players like Dylan Horton, but, but certainly like, do they have the manpower to kind of hang with this Michigan line? That's going to try to wear them out for 60 minutes. That's the part that I, I just don't know if TCU's quite ready for that challenge. I think the Texas game is a good test case for this because that was a game. They went on the road. Texas was ranked. Obviously, the talent level that Texas recruits is a lot more comparable to what Michigan does. Uh, Not to say that Texas is at that level. The Michigan, obviously, Michigan is a much better program at this point, but that's the kind of talent that Texas recruits. And I remember in the first quarter of that game, it was – it was difficult for TCU to get a lot done. They, they, I think they're offensively, you know, they got eight tackles for loss. Uh, Max Duggan was getting pressured constantly, but then defensively they were able to stand up and shut down Bijan Robinson. And I was really impressed with TCU's linebacker play. You know, guys filling gaps and and getting to the right spot. But this is a better team than that Texas team, and and TCU was able to survive that. They they won a defensive battle in that game that that you know, 17-10 and, and really didn't generate a ton offensively until the second half when they started running the ball. I, I'm curious to see if they can win a knockdown dragout game like this against a team of the quality of Michigan. If Matt Austin, I'm curious what you think if this gets into – if this is a physical low-scoring game or if this turns it into a shootout, do you think there's an advantage either way on, a, on one of those scenarios? I think Michigan, if, if Michigan could win a low-scoring game, they, they'd be happy with that. I think from TCU's perspective, they probably want to hang some point, points on the board. You know, one thing I think for Michigan is Michigan, outside of maybe the Ohio State game, has not seen the kind of speed and explosiveness at the skill positions that TCU has. Michigan's defense has been one of the, the most pleasant surprises about this team. I think everybody expected Michigan's defense to take a step back this year, losing their coordinator, losing their two edge rushers who got drafted in the first two rounds. The expectation for Michigan's defense going into this season was that if, if they could be just close to the level that they were at last year, that would, that would be a great achievement for Jesse Mentor in his first year. Uh, but they've actually been as good or better than last year's defense in a lot of categories. But I don't think that they've been tested in the way that TCU is going to test them in this game. You know, the, the vertical passing game that TCU has is just something Michigan doesn't see a ton of in the Big Ten. And definitely the speed that TCU has everywhere is not something that Michigan has seen a lot this year. Michigan's faced some, you know, some talented skill players and some fast guys. But I'm not sure that they faced a team that has as many of those weapons as, as TCU has. And I think that could that could be a challenge for Michigan's defense. Well, and I think the, the thing that in the Ohio State game that obviously stood out um, against an Ohio State, uh, for the Michigan offense, against an Ohio State defense that was definitely improved this year, as you know, Austin, it just came down to explosives and, ju- and just being able to um, bust a couple big plays, especially in the second half, to really – um, go get those scores and kind of dominate the the rest of the game. And, and I'm curious to see, Sam, do you feel like the TCU defense is, um, which has been, I, I would say like a little bit bend don't break this year. I, I wouldn't say it's been, you know, dominant, but I think it's been pretty good under Joe Gillespie um, and have shown up. Certainly you mentioned the Texas game has shown up in some really big games this year. Um, like, what do you, like, what do you expect from TCU's defense 
beyond just the, the line of scrimmage, Sam. Yeah, the, the, the holding up at the line of scrimmage is going to be key. And, and, and I'm going to watch somebody like, you know, Demonic Williams, the, the freshman nose tackle, who's been really huge for them this year. Like, how does he fare against Michigan's interior line? I love what they have on the back end. You, Austin, you mentioned the speed. They've got tremendous talent at corner with Travis Hodgins Tomlinson, the Thorpe Award winner, Josh Newton, the transfer, who, who has been terrific for them this year. Their safety talent is really good. Linebackers have played well overall. I, the, the one thing I love about this TCU team is they tackle well. They do not give away a lot of yardage. That If they get their hands on you, they're getting you on the ground in most cases. It's not a team that's going to give up a lot of broken tackles and, and yards after, after, uh, after first contact. But – they, there are there are chances to exploit this defense because again this is the first year they're in this scheme. You know, they've played in Gary Patterson's four two five for the last two decades. Obviously not these players, but but certainly the the players that he's recruited have done it the last several years. And now you know in this Joe Gillespie's three three five, it's it's been a transition, and so it, it's been some up and down. It's been you know Baylor when Baylor played them, very physical run game, a lot of wide zone. And they had a lot of room to run. And I, and I feel like if Michigan can get something going like that in the first half and TCU plays with its food early like it has in a lot of games offensively this year, that's where I think TCU can get in trouble. And Michigan, I guess to your – Austin, you've seen this firsthand. They can put teams away in the second half if, if you mess around too much. Yeah, I mean, these are the two best second-half teams in the country, and Michigan has dominated the second half uh, basically all season. A lot of that has to do with Michigan's depth, especially on defense, and physicality, especially on offense. I got to think a big key for TCU is to force Michigan to execute in the red zone. Michigan, for a stretch of this season, was not a great red zone team. They, they went through a stretch of games in the middle of the season where they really struggled scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Um, they didn't really have to do that against Ohio State because those five plays they had all went the distance, right? And if, if Michigan does that again, uh, then it's going to be tough for TCU. But if TCU can force Michigan to have to be methodical um, and execute inside the 20-yard the line, I feel like that's that's kind of the formula for, for containing Michigan and, and giving yourself a chance. Max, I'm curious, when you look at this offense we for TCU, we've heard a lot of discussion this week uh, around the the press conferences about Garrett Riley and the job he's done. Obviously, he has a Heisman finalist in Max Duggan, and, and the X factor that his not just his throwing ability but his running ability brings. I'm curious after seeing what we saw throughout this season, after seeing what we saw in the Big Twelve title game, and Austin mentioned the speed, which is substantial at the skill positions for TCU. Do you think? that Garrett might have something special dialed up for this that, that, that's going to maybe take us by surprise on Saturday. Yeah, do, I mean, do, do I think Garrett Riley will be in his bag? I think probably so, <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I, and I love the chess match of, of um, Garrett Riley and, and Jesse Minner, who's done a, a fantastic job um, in coming over uh, this year for Michigan. I, I think that – like, I, I think having Quentin Johnson, I wrote about him for today on The Athletic, having him 100% is a huge deal. He told me – um, he, he got his ankle injury back on Halloween against West Virginia and has been managing that all throughout November. You saw there were some key moments. He was not in the game, and he probably should have taken time off but just felt like they had so many big games left he couldn't do it. And so him getting four weeks off I think has been huge. Um, and he had big plays against Kansas State, um, which which make, make a huge difference when you can kind of hit those 50-yard bombs that move drives, and, and they're going to need to hit some of those on Saturday. I, I think the thing I'm I'm – really interested to see like you kind of know 
obviously Austin, like, you know, the, 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 the perception with this Michigan front is like, Oh, they lost these NFL guys. And so that maybe the pass rush is not as scary as it was last year. I kind of think with what we've seen from Max Duggan and what we've seen from Michigan this year, like Max Duggan's like probably going to get his ass kicked a little bit, probably going to take some hits probably. I mean, that's just what we've seen from him. Um, but still like, have maybe I, I I am still tempted to think that like TCU is going to have a chance in the fourth quarter, whether it's a 10 point game or a seven point game or whatever. Like I, I kind of think they're still going to be in position. Do you guys think that this game will still be close in the fourth quarter? Or do you guys think that this is going to be TCU? Great job. You made it this far, but Michigan kind of runs you over. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to agree with you that I think, Max Duggan is the kind of player who's going to figure out a way to keep his team in the game until the fourth quarter. One thing Michigan struggled a little bit this year with is is mobile quarterbacks, quarterbacks who can get out of the pocket. Um, I think what you said is accurate that this pass rush, although it's been effective, is definitely not as intimidating as last year's. Uh, And there's been times when the discipline has broken down a little bit and the quarterback's been able to get out of the pocket and make a play. And Max Duggan is the type of quarterback who's going to be able to do that. So I won't be surprised if this is a close game in the fourth quarter. And then then maybe, maybe in the fourth quarter, Michigan's physicality starts to wear down TCU a little bit. But but I just kind of have a feeling that Max Duggan is going to figure out a way to keep his team in this game. I'm I'm curious when you look at the the big playability we saw when when Michigan beat Ohio State the way they just gashed them downfield. Uh, TCU is a team that you can throw on a little bit that guys can get behind them at times. I'm curious if they if Michigan connects early on some big plays like that do you think that generates some momentum that allows them to finish the game in that way on the ground i think it could you know it's hard for me to know how much of the ohio state game was michigan and how much was ohio state like those explosive plays those weren't plays that we saw a lot of all season from michigan and michigan's coaches mentioned after that game that ohio state played them in a way that really nobody had played them all season just like selling out to stop the run um and ohio state basically dared michigan to do what they did which was go down the field and when you've got a guy wide open with nobody within 10 yards it's it's easier to go down the field I don't think TCU is going to just concede that to Michigan the way Ohio State did. Um, so I think that Michigan's going to have to work for it a little bit more in this game. But if they do hit a couple of those early, uh, I could see the floodgates opening and Michigan really taking control. Do you, do you guys think that this – I'll put you on the spot here. Do, do you guys think this game is more Michigan by three or Michigan by 17 or Michigan by 24? My my inclination, or, or, or do you like an upset, Sam? My, coming into the week, I was I think feeling more Michigan by seventeen, but now after listening to Max, you mentioned it, and Austin, you mentioned Michigan's singular focus on winning a title and and Georgia. I kind of think this is going to be a dogfight. I think it's going to be. I think we're going to be here sitting in the fourth quarter wondering who's going to win this game. And and I also go back to Max Duggan. If TCU gets shut down offensively early, he'll find a way. He, he can grind out 50, 60, 70 yards, make some plays on the perimeter. And, and also, Garrett Riley has been really good about not getting away from the run game even when they're behind. That, that All these double-digit comebacks they've had or times trailing in the second half – Kendrick Miller usually has more carries in the second half in those instances than he does in the first half. So they're really good about not just 
continuing to throw and, and letting the game get out of hand. So I think they're going to be in this game in the fourth quarter, and I think we're going to be sitting here talking about not knowing in midway through the fourth quarter who's going to win this game. Austin, what is your thought on that? You know, I feel like I do this every year where I try to convince myself that these semis are going to be close <laughs> and, and then they're not. <laughs> like I did that last, I, I basically said that exact same thing last year about Michigan. It's like, I, you know, I've watched this Michigan team all year. I think they're going to find a way to make it close against Georgia. And then it's like 27 to three at halftime. Uh, so my heart says that I think that this will be a, a close game in the fourth quarter, but I'm also aware that I've said that about about a lot of these CFP semifinals that have just turned into blowouts. So I don't know. If, if Max, if TCU's down 28-10 like they were to Kansas State in the second quarter, can they dig themselves out of this, you think? I don't know. I, I think Michigan has that ability. Like if, if TCU is getting stuck in um, a lot of second and longs, third and longs, and it's just kind of all on Duggan in this game, I think that it, you're going to have a little bit harder time um, – just rallying when you're going to get kind of worn down by this Michigan defense that if you kind of get that momentum and confidence against this group and, and kind of throw off the way that Garrett Riley wants to play this game. I don't know. So I looked at, so it was 23 points last year, right? Was the margin 34, 11. I mean, yeah, you're right. The history of these semifinals is that they're boring. I remember I was at a new year's Eve party and that game was on and none of us were really watching it. It was on in the background <laughs> and that's what kind of the game was, you know? And so this, I've, I don't think this will just be a game on in the background for people tomorrow, but I mean, that is kind of the the history of these things. I don't know, for, for whatever reason, I'm just kind of getting this hunch that TCU can, can keep this close, and obviously it's going to take, I think, some lucky breaks to for it to you know really be like a tie game at the end and stuff like that, but um, I don't know. for some There's just something being out here this week. It just kind of seems like I don't think this TCU team is like, well, man, we're pretty lucky to be here. It was a good run. You know, tip our caps to a much better football team. Like, I think that they're pretty – I don't know. I think Michigan has somehow, like, kind of motivated them the right way this week. Before we wrap up, let's let's talk real quick. If you want to make a prediction, feel free. But I'm just going to pose this question to you. Austin, Michigan wins if they do what? I, mean, I think Michigan wins if they run the ball. If Donovan Edwards has – 130, 150 yards on the ground, then I think Michigan wins this game probably fairly comfortably. If Michigan struggles to run the ball, then I think that this is that game that we're talking about that goes down to the fourth quarter that could go either way at the end. That's really the bread and butter for Michigan. If they can run the ball, they're really hard to stop. If they can't run the ball, then then I think TCU has a really good chance. Max, TCU wins this game if what? I think it's... I mean, I think it, it like, I, I kind of wonder if this game, and I don't mean this in like in a morbid way, but I kind of wonder if this game is like one injury away from us being like, uh oh, like that game's, now this is different than we thought it was going to be. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know, like, I think that, um, and maybe that's just like the lack of depth Michigan has at quarterback and running back right now going into this game or something like that. But like, and you could say the same for TCU, obviously. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I think TCU, if they can start fast, um, because obviously that was the problem. Max was not very sharp to start against K-State. I think if they start fast and can get some points and, and can really get some uh, some confidence early that they can score on this group, um, maybe they can dictate the tempo a little bit in terms of how they want to play and maybe neutralize some of the disadvantages they have uh, up front. But ultimately it's probably going to take Max Duggan throwing on a cape in the fourth quarter for TCU to win. 
I think I think TCU wins if they like you said start fast. If they come out here and look like a get to a 14 point lead or something like that early and get Michigan thinking wondering like what the heck Austin how many times has Michigan been behind significantly this year? Um like not at all other than I mean they got down early against Ohio State and came back but that's really the only time this year that Michigan's had to come back. I'd be curious if TCU is able to start fast which they haven't been able to do very much this year but or at least down the stretch but if they're able to start fast and get a quick lead I'm curious to see what kind of effect that has on Michigan. So I think if TCU is able to pull this off I think they're going to have to come out sharp. And like you said, with Duggan being a lot more accurate, the little mistakes that we saw against K-State in the Big 12 championship cannot happen uh, in order for it to happen. My, my prediction would be that this is similar to the fourth quarter of the Big 12 title game where I'm staring at my computer saying, oh, my God, what am I supposed to write? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's that'll be something. Well, fellas, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Uh, Appreciate you guys for listening. Make sure you follow the uh, Andy Staples Show and Friends Feed on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe to the Andy Staples Show on YouTube. Andy and Ari Washman regularly do their live show from there. Several of our special guest interviews that we've had this year are up on that YouTube channel, so be sure to check those out. We'll be coming to you from the Fiesta Bowl at theathletic.com on Saturday. Uh, Of course, we've got coverage of the playoff games as well. Enjoy the playoff games on Saturday, and we'll talk to you soon. (music) 